Welcome to All Road 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time, and your ticket is waiting. All aboard All Roads Lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson. Greetings. Thank you for joining me on BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson. My focus is my mission statement, to help create a quality of life through social growth, inspiring jewels to become leaders by establishing partnerships with entrepreneurs, corporations, donors, sponsors, volunteers, the community, and abroad. Please join me every other Tuesday at noon on BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max Radio. My special guest today is Miss Sandy Gold, who is a New England artist that was diagnosed with a brain tumor and given less than a year to live. Faced with reoccurring symptoms of radiation damage, including cancer from her treatment. Betrayal by dysfunctional family and myopic advice she had received from her medical establishment. Sandy taught herself to open her heart and trust her own body's voice. She has written an inspiring memoir with self-help journaling prompts, closing each chapter one day at a time. She shares those lessons with profound self-reflection and offers guidance on how to be healed by the best natural treatment. At last, I want to say thanks again for giving me this interview, Chance Sandy, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So we have a lot to discuss, and I must say that your story was totally inspiring for me because for one, I resonated with the dysfunctional family, which I'm quite sure everybody experiences that. And also just the adversity that you had gone through. And I'm looking at you right now and you look so beautiful. Oh, so, I mean, I had written down my questions and everything. And um, I'm looking forward to this chat. <laughs> Good. So tell me if you don't mind. Here you are, diagnosed to having a brain tumor and given less than a year to live, radiation damage from cancer, and the people that you love most during this time. You said you were faced with another hurdle of betrayal by your family who were who was dysfunctional. Can you share a little bit about that story? Sure. In regard to my family... They never learned how to deal with their emotions. There were a lot of addictions in my family. And so a lot of people used or just never learned how to deal with. Because like my siblings learned from my parents and they never learned. So they got very frightened when I got diagnosed and told I was going to die in six months to a year back in 1986. And the way they dealt with that, because it was so uncomfortable to them, they felt I created their discomfort. You know, I don't think it was an intellectual thing, but they blamed me on their discomfort and got very angry at a time when I thought I was going to be having their support. Wow. 
How inspiring because in 2005, my mom, she was diagnosed with carcinoma cancer and they gave her four years to live, even though she lived five and a half, almost six years. And mom could have lived longer, but she didn't want to put that trachea in her throat. And she was just fine the way things were um going for her in her life at that time. She did give up, you know, like smoking cigarettes and uh, did less drinking, but she wouldn't give that up because she had told me, she said, Pamela, if I'm dying, do you want me to just go sit in the corner and just, you know, soak in, you know, sadness and feel that you know, with self-pity. And I'm like, no, mom, but I wanted her to live. That was my best friend. She taught me. She's the reason why I'm sitting here with you today. But after really understanding her reasonings why, and we just had a great time for the next few years. And, you know, we went gambling. We did everything, spa dates and things like that. And I really enjoyed that time. And when it was time for her to go, do you know I didn't cry at that time? It was like that weekend we had went to Reno and we had such a great time and eating lunch. You could tell she was just getting tired, but she said, Pamela, when I'm going, I want you to keep going, just keep going, do what you love and keep going. And, I was like, oh, mom, you're not going anywhere. And she was like, I said, look at us. We've been traveling and doing this and doing that. And she was like, I'm tired. So I'm like, I know you need some rest. Let's go to, let's go back to the hotel, to our room and let's get some rest. And she was like, you're not understanding. I'm tired. So when we finally got home and I didn't live with her, but I, I was there like 18 hours out the day. Because she didn't want to go into a convalescent home. She didn't want to go and live with no one. Didn't want to live with me. She just wanted to be in her own peace. And I respected that. However, I left that evening around five. And I came back the next morning. And I found her with a cup in her hand. She didn't make it back to the kitchen. And she fell on the floor. And she was gone. And so I stood there and I hugged her, I would say for about at least 20 minutes or half an hour before I called everyone. But I needed that time with her and I just moved forward. And it just seemed like all that adversity that I was going through, it just did not cease. And I also went through some things with my family when I needed them at an important time in my life. And I felt like I became the victim because there was no understanding. So (laughs) that is why I resonated with you. Yes. Yes. Your mother died on her terms, which is empowering for both of you. And I'm not surprised there's a sign over your shoulder that says power. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you hugged her for, you felt comfortable and you, you gave it to yourself. You hugged her for 30 minutes, you know, without having to call anybody or feeling like you needed to call anybody. That shows such strength and, and love. 
Yes. And I went through that whole process through the funeral and through the, 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 the whole little ordeal. And it was like, I couldn't cry. I was proud. I was proud because I was the same daughter that was there for her when she was well. And we did things because as I stated, she was my best friend. And she taught me about being an entrepreneur and how to stand in purpose and, and everything. So I didn't cry until on her birthday from that next year. And I just couldn't stop crying. But that's because I never released. So I had to resonate with that as well. You knew to trust your body and just let yourself cry, which again is 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 all part of healing. So true. So what about you? Are you, are you, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing there. I don't think I've ever felt healthier as an adult, or I guess I was healthy as a child. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm doing great. You're doing I great? Do, yeah, I do get tired at night, but that might be my age because I just turned 70. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Wow. Be- you look good. So my friends are complaining about having to go to bed earlier at night. So I am taking note of that. So maybe it isn't just me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is true. We do go to bed a little earlier because I know with me, I believe in my beauty sleep and it doesn't matter if I'm finishing work and don't have anything to do. And if I'm relaxing and everything, I've learned how to take power naps because they are important for me because when I have a lot to do, and I wear different hats within my company, then any chance that I get, because sometimes I'm up at three o'clock in the morning and I'm trying to work or trying to accomplish something. And then before you know it, it's like six o'clock and you really, that's the time to get up. Then I get a little sleepy again. (laughs) But again, you're trusting the wisdom of your body, which is what I use to navigate through the medical field. Okay. That sounds, yeah. Our bodies are are so much wiser than our intellect. They have so much more information than our intellect does. I mean, we, and people know this, but they haven't really connected the dots, most people, in that, you know, if we cut ourselves and we put a Band-Aid on it a week later, it's it's healed. And yet we can't do that with our brain. Well, perhaps (laughs) we learn to in time. But it's a knowledge that just goes beyond just healing us. You know, this wisdom of our body, it's forever wanting to protect us too, 24-7. So allow the loving wisdom of your body to guide you, just as you're doing with your power naps. This is what you need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am into yoga. Yes, yes. I love love yoga because... Here I am running maybe a quarter mile, four to five times out the week. And because I love to run, I love being outside working, uh, running because I love outside nature. Mm-hmm. And I love doing girly things. Right now today, I'm still playing kickball and everything else because I love doing that. <laughs> I love yoga too. I do that three times a week. Oh, do you? Yes, love it, love it. Like, I can't imagine not. Yeah, that is true. When I first got into yoga, I didn't understand the mental awareness that you needed. You know what I mean? It was like, uh-huh, go ahead. 
that it brings, I think, that it brings. And that's the other thing I felt yoga really helped me with is it helped me connect with my body. And I got that much more awareness. And as well as 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 well as calming our brains so that we could think more clearly, which is what you're probably referring to. Yes, absolutely. Yes, ma'am. But one thing that was very noticeable for me is, you know, from lifting weights to doing yoga, yoga tones your body. It tones your body as well. You can do (laughs) certain stretches and workouts within yoga. And the next thing you know, you see your body, it's like you're losing some of the excess, you know, fat and everything. And you're being more toned instead of looking more butchier to me. In my opinion, yoga is a very loving exercise, is how I look at it. And mm-hmm. you, have you noticed when you try to train a puppy, if you're if you're mean to it and you know get impatient with it, it's going to take much longer to train it. Whereas if you're loving, it responds to you more favorably, as does our body. So true, so true, Sandy. In your opinion. Self-help journaling can help us acknowledge our past and present lessons. And you had written your memoir sharing each lesson. Tell me more how you use that technique as a guidance. The first thing that comes to mind is patterns. I began to see patterns that I did. Um, A lot of self-sabotaging patterns, you know, that I've been doing all my life and didn't wasn't aware I was doing them. So I was able to improve my thinking and my actions, which put less stress on my immune system. Okay. Okay. There's another one. Here's another one. Um, Our immune systems work more efficiently when we're happy, which I had never known before. And so I really focused on being happier. (laughs) Such a bad pill to take. (laughs) (laughs) well you know they say all we have to do is just laugh think of something that's funny and it will take away anything that that brings you down or causes pain right i agree with that however there's also the side of how important it is to be true to ourselves and our feelings like we've been taught to push away particularly women to push away anger. We're not allowed to feel anger. Yeah. And yet, and yet, when we're, we're, when something has been done to us, we have every right to be angry. We have every right to be angry when we've been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. Right. Um, and so it's really important to feel your feelings first. Just sit with them. Let them pass through your body. And they'll, they'll leave within a matter of minutes. But when we fight the anger, when we fight our our pain or fight whatever, it becomes that much stronger and does more harm in our body. For a long time, I, I hate to admit it, but even for years after I was diagnosed and I heard how important it was to be happy, I acted like a Pollyanna. <laughs> um, and so... And I did that because I thought that was the healthiest thing to do for my body until I realized I wasn't being true to my body. I was allowed to be angry. I didn't allow myself to be angry for years. 
And yet I realized I was doing harm to my body by not being true to it. So yes, feeling happy, appreciative, all those things are very, very important. Laughter, as Norman Cousins wrote a book about how much it helped him. Um, but also be true to your feelings, but don't get stuck there for hours and hours and days. Give yourself five minutes to feel the anger. So true. That brings me to my next question. Okay. Tell me about the significance of the mind-body connection. I realized I had to be responsible for my thoughts and my actions. I wish I I wish I I could demonstrate, but the thing I I just did in the workshop the other day is I asked someone to hold out their arms straight and just let me try to push it down, just to get a base result, a baseline, and then I asked them to think negative things, and the arm went right down. I asked them to think positive things, and I couldn't even push their line their arm down, and I've done this. Oh. Several workshops. It, it works immediately, the mind-body connection. So that's why it's really important to be aware of our thoughts all the time, all the time. And not to shame ourselves when we're not. That's the other important. We need to be loving and friendly with ourselves. Act like our best friend. Yes, I do agree. So tell me about your book. I choose to love. I love the title, by the way. I chose love, but that's okay. I <laughs> oh, I chose love. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about and that. The, I chose love. And the reason I'm a little sensitive about that is because Amazon, when you go look for my book in Amazon, you type in I chose love and it immediately goes to I choose love. And so that's where making, I got it. Yes, Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> and they're okay. making it very difficult to find it. In tiny writing, it says, you know, you can you can then go back to I chose love, but I mm -hmm. didn't see it for over a week. Someone had to point that out to me. So uh, for people looking for my book, type in Sandy Gold and you'll find it under my name. Okay. Um, or better yet, go to www.sandygold.com and you can buy it in soft cover uh, format, ebook and audio. So give us a little bit, tell me a little bit about the book, about the title and everything about the book. Just tell me everything about the book. In a sense, the fact that my family turned against me worked to my advantage because, I mean, it was horrible at the time because I just, I kept trying to talk to them. So they'd understand what's going on. And the more I tried to talk to them, because their fears grew and the angrier they got. So when I had to finally accept that this is how my family is in a way that I never wanted to see them, I had to be extra loving and supportive to myself. So in that way, I chose love. And that made me that much more sensitive to my thoughts um, to being my best friend, being supportive of myself under any circumstances, to stop acquiescing to other people's needs and putting mine aside, which I did for so long because I was brought up to do that. You know, right. that's what love, that's what love was, right? That's what how, how many women are taught. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So what did you create? What, what, how many pages? What it does it really talk about? What is the direction that I choose love? How is that going to help someone who is not choosing love? How is that going to help them? I continually give examples of how the choices I made worked for me. For and an example. A, for example. Oh, that's a good um let me just think about that for a moment. No problem. For example, my sister stopped talking to me on the day I was diagnosed with breast cancer which was a side effect from the radiation damage. And it really, even though she hadn't been supportive up till then, it really blew my mind because I don't know, I was thinking women breasts, you know, I don't know. I would think if anybody's going to be supportive, my sister, <laughs> I guess Absolutely. that's what I was thinking, right? Right. So I'd say uh, for a good six months, every time I thought about my sister, I would cry. And I knew I had to be supportive of myself to get over this cancer. I had a, I eventually had a doctor after a year um, telling me I had to get a mastectomy, which I declined. And five months later, I was cancer free. Oh. Um, and, and the way, and the way I used love is every single time I thought of my sister, I knew that I couldn't trust her love for me but I could trust my love of her for her. And so I just sent her love rather than crying. I just sat silently and sent her love and it felt good. You know, of course, love always does. Absolutely. <laughs> and it strengthened my body. Absolutely. From what it sounds like from what you're telling me, it, it appears that your family were, was, they were in denial and it was like, you're, you're telling them I'm sick and this is the time where I need lots of love because that is the way we heal. But they were like, you know how like, I'm the third oldest in, in out of four girls. So I always felt a little neglected because my mother always treated me like I didn't have any issues. Like I didn't need anything. Um, she knew I would work it out. So when I said, you know, mom, I needed help. She would kind of like get mad at me and push me more to do whatever I need to do without her help. But I come to the understanding that she was doing that because helping my other sisters and them who needed her constantly, I was that one that needed less help because I, you know, I had more direction. So she didn't have to worry about me. But I still wanted her to worry about me regardless of not needing her help. So do you think that your family was in that position? Perhaps. They didn't want perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um one of the reasons one of the things I had such a hard time accepting and letting go was because I couldn't believe that anybody, let alone people I love, didn't recognize that when someone has a brain tumor or radiation damage or breast cancer, they need support. Right. That that I just couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around. But that's how strong the denial was, which is still even hard to fathom. 
And yes, my mother always did tell me as a child that I was smarter than her. But it was also a manipulative way to get me to help her <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right? <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. What is the role of fear in coping with a terminally ill family member, in your opinion? Your What is the uh, role of your own fear or their fear or both? Or both. Okay. First of all, recognize it's perfectly natural to have fear, either person. And don't try to deny that. Oh, oh, don't be afraid, you know, or you'll be fine or whatever. Don't, you know, you know tell me about your fear. You know, let, I, I understand your fear. I get it. And to feel, encourage the person to feel their fear, which is the last thing most people do. And feel your own fear because it keeps it from growing and growing and growing. Once we feel it, it passes through the body. Okay. What else can I say about fear? Just recognize it's a very natural reaction and just handle it as lovingly as you can and to feel it. So true. I agree with you. That you pinpointed to the to exactly what it is. It's fear. It's with everything that we that it challenges us, right? That that we go through, you know, when you go through obstacles and challenges and you had this, this little person here that's strong and little person here that's weak. And, you know, of course, the little person here, you got to knock him off because they forever have you in fear. <laughs> but you have to move forward and take one day at a time. And like you said, to acknowledge that fear and move on. Correct. And not to fear or fear. You know, but that's it, easier said than done. Exactly. But once we start understanding that, that emotions don't hurt us. We cannot be hurt by our emotions. They're a very right. natural thing. And we were given fear, pain, grief, anger, all for a reason. It took me a long time to figure that out. But once I realized <laughs> <laughs> we were created with for example anger I started to embrace it and that's what I now do with my fear as well and I actually thank it for arising because our body is always trying to protect us that's the bottom line whatever is happening with our body it's trying to protect us it really is our best friend 24 7 I do agree yes in your opinion you said Learn to trust your instincts about your own health. Elaborate a little bit about that. You know how oftentimes, well, in my experience, a doctor would tell me what was going on with me or how, and I, my body would sing out, no, that's not what's happening. That's, that's not, that doesn't sound right. Right. Or when or when even your best friend or somebody tells you what's happening with you, or you or worse yet, you shouldn't be thinking the way that you are. Um and you're and you just you 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 know instinctively that they're wrong. 
you know, something arises. It's like a gush of energy that comes mm-hmm. up that just tells you it's wrong. Sometimes intuition can be very, very subtle. And it's like we know something's not right, but we can't quite put our finger on it. And other times it can be really passionate, such as writing this book. You know, I knew I had to do it. Right. I just knew I had to do it. I'm not an author. I have, I mean, I am not a writer. I am an author now. I had no background in in writing. Uh, I'm a fine artist, in fact. Um, But I knew I had to do this. Yes. Yes, because it helps others. Right now, you know, I mentor girls. And these are young girls that, you know, come from broken families or even well-to-do families, they still have these behavioral issues that needs to be stated and come to the forefront so they can understand why they are having problems of, of, of trying to accomplish something in their lives. And a lot of times, they do not go off of their instincts. And we, we talk about that. So I was very interested when reading about you and you made that comment because I felt that is so true. I mean, sometimes I'll be feeling like, am I a psychic? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you are. We all are. We all have that ability. Some people feel a bit more than others, but we do have that ability to know things. And we hear stories about that all the time, right? Yeah, no, really, because... I've been in places or in surroundings when I know something isn't right. And I say, okay, stop overthinking. Because sometimes people tell you you be overthinking too much. But there's been times when I have that gut instinct or I know that bad feeling and I make a decision and for sure enough, it came to, 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 to life. Right, right, right. You can even stop and ask your body, are you trying to tell me something? What are you trying to tell me? And it'll answer. You know, most of the time it'll answer. Again, I say that because I've developed this skill over time. But okay. I recommend people trying starting it now, particularly before they get sick. Because it will be to their advantage to learn how to do that. And de- well, they already know how to do it to develop it, I should say. So give me another example again. Um, I know you did, but give me another example so I can, I want to write that down. So what was your advice again? Uh, In regard to intuition? Yes, in regards to intuition. (laughs) My doctor, um, so my MRI and my mammogram showed I had no cancer after five months after my oncologist and my surgeon told me they I had to get a mastectomy. Okay. And my doctor, when he looked, well, as soon as I as soon as he walked into the my appointment, he goes, Why haven't you gotten a mastectomy? And I said, Doctor, you haven't seen my test results. And he looked at them and he goes, he stuttered and he said, Well tests make mistakes. And I smiled very sweetly. I really try to be as respectful as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I smiled and I said, well, so do doctors. And he spent the next five minutes trying to convince me that the 
first tests were right, but the second tests that showed I had no cancer were wrong. And I just knew, and and he still wanted me to get a mastectomy. Hmm. And I just knew in my heart that he was wrong. And that was over 10 years ago. And I, I've shown no signs of cancer. Good for you. That's that gut instinct, right? That's that intuition. Yes, I do. Because nowadays they say if you are diagnosed with cancer or, you know, or anything, get a second opinion, right? Because a lot of times I have read about uh, people that was diagnosed with something and given this medicine and they didn't have that when they went somewhere else to get diagnosed again. So, but you know, nowadays there are so many home remedies that we can do without the medicines over the counter. And I'm for one, since I'm a health fanatic, I love, cause I remember when I was younger, my mom didn't buy cough syrup syrup and we did a lot of uh, teas, which I'm drinking right now. And she put different little like bay leaves and wow yeah and different little things in 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 the teas and everything and we healed but as i had gotten older come on you know let me go to the store and get me some theraflu <laughs> or you know take an aspirin or something like that but nowadays they even say even taking the aspirin is good. It helps with uh, with the weather changing and not getting cancer or anything. How do you feel about that? I don't know enough about that to really say. Um, I do know if you take it too much, it can hurt your stomach. It can burn a hole in your stomach. But I don't know enough about it because I don't take aspirin. In fact, when I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, I never even had aspirin in my house. I mean, I, I didn't take anything. And in fact, I was so sure that my doctor was wrong. I never used a doctor, naturopath or otherwise, to help me with my cancer. I did it myself following a book, which I would tell you the title, and I will if you asked it, but that was, you know, so many years ago, and I'm sure there are better ways to overcome the cancer now. I I did it with basically eating a raw diet, no Mm -hmm. animal products, vegan diet. Um, exercising my butt off. Yeah. And taking supplements. Really? What was the name what, of the book? What's the uh, name of the Cancer Free by Bill Henderson. But I am sure today there are even better ways of doing that. So I, I wouldn't recommend that. And I wouldn't recommend not using a, a naturopathic physician. I have a wonderful naturopathic physician today. And I, I would have loved to have had her help back then. Not that I needed it, but just for the support. So you, here you are with the cancer and you just went through the book, took you out some remedies to, to help you heal, to get healthier. And actually, you did the heart. Mm-hmm. Actually, to interrupt you, I was more afraid of having cancer than I was of having a brain tumor. Even though they could have just cut off my right breast, and of course they couldn't have cut off my head. (laughs) Right. Um, But I, I guess, and and it's not. It's very common to hear the word cancer and flip out. I flipped out, 
And so I immediately got two lumpectomies. Well, actually, I went to a naturopathic physician who specialized in cancer, and she suggested I get two lumpectomies, which today I'm very surprised about because I told her I wanted a natural way of healing. But I, I went along with what she had said, and I realized now, oh, and then after the two lumpectomies, they wanted me to take tamoxifen, which I would not advise anyone to take. Okay. And to get radiation. And I refused to do both of those. And they said, well, you're, there's a 7% chance of you getting cancer again. I said, I had a 1% chance of, of dying. I think I'll take my chances. And <laughs> they're not happy with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you was going against some of their advice. You know, the uh, same thing of the journey that my mom had gone through. She had to endure radiation and chemotherapy and she just was not happy with the chemotherapy so I remember when we sat down with the doctor and she was like look I'm not doing both because one is very harsh than the other and she was upset because she was like I'm losing my hair you know because now you you have to go through like my mom said now I'm looking like a monster but I'm really really sick so she she said, and she prefer not to do the uh, radiation. So she did. She stopped doing the radiation, and look, she lived a year longer, a year and a half longer, and she did look better. She was gaining her weight, her hair started growing, and you know we had got all these different herbs and and everything. But I can understand that decision that yeah. you had made because mom made that same decision as well. Mm -hmm. But like I said, also, if she would have got that trait, she would have even lived longer. But she was like, she's not going to be a robot for anyone. So when it's time to go, it's time to go. And that was mom. And that's how she felt. She knew herself. Yes. She knew herself. Yeah. I like your mother. I really like your mother. Yeah, you know, that's a, you know, when you lose a loved one, especially a mom or a dad, but mom, because she was my best friend. But, you know, I get like on holidays or her birthday because she was a Gemini. Oh, Jesus. Me too. Are you? <laughs> June 5th. When was her birthday? June 11th. Okay. She was June 11th. And. I can't get over it. And here it is years, years later. And my husband had to tell me, you're never going to get over it. You're never going to get over it. You just have to deal with it. Take those emotions and start moosing or, you know, you know, uh, talk to yourself a little bit and, you know, and get over it. So I do. I'm on a birthday. I always sit down and, you know, talk to her a little bit or I go to the grave and, mm -hmm talk mm -hmm. to her and everything and put some flowers and that makes me feel better then I have I'm off to having a great day so yeah that's ah, yes that's a beautiful thing in your opinion you stated embracing love as a guiding force in, he, in your healing journey for mental and physical well-being Tell us a little bit more about that, because a lot of people miss 
some of those things of doing. Sure. When you think about it, everything is made of energy, including ourselves. Right. And love is the highest form of energy. And I have a quote here from Dr. Bernie Siegel, who's a pediatric surgeon retired now from Yale University and the author of a New York Times bestselling books. Yes. I am convinced that unconditional love is the most powerful known stimulant of the immune system. The truth is love heals. I mean, here, a man of, you know, working at Yale University uh, Hospital as a surgeon has figured this out. And this was back in 1986. He wrote this in Love, Medicine and Miracles, a book he wrote back then. Wow. Yes. And I read it came out the same year I was diagnosed. And when I read that, I I mean, it just validated how I was feeling. Yes. I mean, I cheered. You can imagine because I had gone to five (laughs) different neurosurgeons one after the other within a matter of, I don't know, probably five weeks, um, hearing the exact same thing. I had six months to a year to live I mean, every single one of them. So discussing that and not trying to bring that, that, that part of that hurdle or that adversity back up, but how did you, how did it make you feel? When when the, when the doctor told you, hey, you uh, you have six months to live, how did you gravitate to that? Interesting question. Nobody's asked me that before, although I, I did write about it. Um, in all five instances, I never even cried. No doctor ever saw me cry. And I'm not saying that's a healthy thing. I think because I was brought up with addictions in my family, Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was living with somebody, a man that had an addictive problem, which is quintessential of an adult child of an alcoholic. I had to be strong. And I knew that this was serious. And I had to be I had to be the strong one. And so for years, I didn't allow myself to feel my feelings at all. That's why I, I emphasize this so much because it is so important because eventually they're all going to, they're going to come up and usually they come up in a way that's not pleasant if we've held them back for so long. So true. And that's the reason why, you know, I always speak about great leaders because it's not just you being identified as a leader, such as a politician or anyone with a title. To me, it's called growth leaders. And that's where you stand at in my eyes. Because Mm -hmm. growth leaders have phenomenal attributes. The criteria that helps a leader to efficiently grow is to become an empowering leader who is open to understanding and having a directive. I am honored to acknowledge those who are inspiring to others such as you, Sandy. And you have inspired me. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Because I support the 45.5% of women speakers who gets on that stage, who are committed of telling their stories, who really, they are the ones who inspire others. They save lives, correct? I think we're meant to. Don't you think we're meant to? I mean, we're meant to connect 
and inspire and even heal one in one another. You know, when you when you when, when premature babies are, are are born, just being held helps them to grow, right? Yes. So I think it's a very natural thing that we were really meant to connect and, and help one another. I do agree. I do agree. And that's the reason why, like I said, I help and I promote entrepreneurs because they are transformative and they, it, it takes, it takes guts and it really does. And, you know, my voice, I'm going to make sure as I move forward, I'm going to speak about that because we need to have that stage when we're dealing with a whole bunch of chaos, confusion, uncertainty. And it's nothing like telling your story and being able to change one life because such as what I do, I mentor girls and I help teach and build customer service skills because everything we do is customer service skills. What we're doing now is customer service skills. However, you can have behavioral problems and not even know it, know it, know it, right? Because you start doing things that are becomes patterns and then you find yourself unhappy a lot and, or you find yourself depending on someone else to make that happiness. And this is how we end up getting into problems and issues. And that is very important to me because I'm such an empath and I love to see us move forward. And it doesn't matter how old you are. We all need a little help, correct? Yes, indeed. And you're a very wise woman and we need people like you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That came along with that experience. <laughs> I tell you that. It did. It came along with that experience. So I was reading about you. And again, you are a woman whom has, whoo, you have, you, you have empowered a lot of people right now as we're speaking. And let's, let's talk about you were featured in the New York Times, People Magazine, the Boston Globe, and the USA Today. How inspiring is that? Congratulations as well. Thank you. Thank also, you. you had won numerous awards regarding your art and recognized for your many contributions in your community. Share that experience with me. Well, initially, as I said, I am a fine artist. I, I use my art to express what I've been through. Mm -hmm. And this was now 30 years ago. But I painted a 63-foot mural made up of things that I found just when I was going on a walk, for example, were loving and supportive. You know how when we look at something, you know, just kind of see a, a vignette that just seems to be twinkling at us. It's just with its beauty, you know, as if it, I felt like it was waving at me and, and then just being, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. And I, and I put all these different things in. And there was over 10,000 people that came to the gallery that much that month, which was unheard of. And the question I got most from people is, how do you paint so that people can feel love? And when people walked in, they, they felt the love. And people were crying as they stood behind, behind well, I mean, in front of the mural. Really? 
lots of people were crying. Yes, yes. Wow, how touching. It really was. There is a video on my um, website, sandygold.com, and I believe it's titled, the page is titled The Mural. And and you can see, oh, oh, I can tell you, uh, 2020, ABC News Show 2020 uh, filmed it, came and filmed it. And you can see the video on my website, sandygold.com. Wow. I tell you, I had interviewed Arthur Jeffrey Michelle, who had written the book, Trust is a Double-Edged Sword. And he had put his own Ten Commandments of Trust. And I felt that was very, very interesting, right? One of the commandments were, don't go against your gut feeling, as we discussed earlier, right? Do you feel that the adversity that you had gone through, that horrific ordeal during this time was a commandment you had overcame as going through your adversity as well? I thought about, if I understand your question, I thought about why it happened to me. Is that is that what you mean? Absolutely, yes. I um, I was forever putting people first, as I told you. Um, I thought mm-hmm. that was how I would be the most loving person. I was c- continually acquiescing to others. I mean, I had a lot of stuff I had to clean up. And I think the universe, God, whatever you want to say, <laughs> hey, you we got to fix this kid. Right. <laughs> on the side of the head. It really got my attention. You know, otherwise I was going to be a pretty miserable person. And I'm glad. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible thing to go through, but I'm really glad for my life today and who I yes. am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me how a life-threatening condition impacts your everyday perspective. Oh, good. another good question. I think I'm more grateful than I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And I make an effort every day of finding things that I'm grateful for. So I don't get slack. (laughs) And I don't just take for granted. Right. Uh, I also, um, just appreciation just keeps coming to my head. And as well as putting things in its proper perspective perspective i mean somebody now can say something to me that can be very rude and instead of responding to it i turn it around and think that person must be really miserable to say something like that (laughs) (laughs) and it really helps you know i turn it around Mm -hmm. so i have compassion for that person i mean i can't imagine going through life and saying that to somebody (laughs) right but people can be really mean and nasty and not realize how their character is put on the line when you say certain things. Even when you have an argument with a friend and everything, you know, we have to be co- conscious of how we say things so it doesn't be taken so seriously. You know what I mean? So, yes. yeah. Yes. And another way I look at it, is I'm one, and I don't know this for sure, obviously, but I'm wondering if they're being made to say that so they recognize their misery. <laughs> now, that is a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. Yes, ma'am. I do agree with you. 
your mural was on ABC's 2020 as a metaphor, as as a national story. Tell me about that. That's exciting, too. It just took off. The Associated Press sent it across the country four times. And so right, right from the start, uh, people just loved a positive and, and yearned for a positive story, evidently. Yes. Mm-hmm. And people just kept responding to it. And you know, there are three uh, TV stations in my area, and sometimes I'd be on all three in the same night. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Do you know who Catherine Cryer is? I heard of her, yes. She interviewed me for 2020, and she was the youngest appointed judge in the state of Texas, and she did it as a female at the age of 30. (laughs) And and I'm emphasizing Texas here. Right? (laughs) Um, And she decided that she didn't like sitting all day long, and she wanted to be a journalist. So she became a journalist and worked for 2020. And five years after the mural, I got a call from the editor of Better Homes and Garden, who said they were doing a story and asking journalists their their story that they covered that was most influential to them. And Catherine said mine. Wow. When I finished my book and I needed some blurbs for the cover, I tracked her down, which wasn't easy. I sent her my manuscript four different times and it kept being returned until I finally found her. And she immediately got in touch with me and said that she would be honored. And she invited me to her home. Just about a month ago, I spent two nights with her in New York. Okay. Good. Wonderful. It just different. Just wonderful things came of that experience. Yes. Yeah, that sounds like it. I mean, that we do. So tell me, I know we're going coming up for time, but Sandy, how can someone contact you about your book? Through my website, there is contact information there. www.sandygold.com. Okay. Okay. And you have any last minute advice that you would like to share? Spend time every day and close your eyes and just feel what's happening with your body and learn to be somatically focused. Somatically meaning body-centered because that's where the power really lies. So true. Well, readers, I am an award-winning author of the book, A Journey of a Sapphire. The book is about a girl who had overcame adversity on her journey towards success. I hope to inspire others who are on your journey or who have gone through challenges and obstacles to never give up on your dreams. Most importantly, recognize behavioral problems. You can purchase my book at journeyofasapphire.com, also available on amazon.com, Journey of a Sapphire by Pamela Henderson and Kindle Fire. And I leave you with this quote of the day. In life, we all need a little push to keep us going, especially during tough times. It gives us the, I'm sorry, it gives us the power to inspire others, lift our spirits, and it gives us the strength to persevere. 
it serves as a reminder that we are not alone in our struggles and that we have the potential to overcome any obstacle. Pamela L. Henderson. With that being said, do have a beautiful afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me and God bless. Thank you for listening to All Roads 65 Max Radio with Pamela Henderson. Join us every other week on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio Station One. And please visit allroads65max.org and become a volunteer or sponsor and be the change you want to see in this world. With your help, we can make a difference in our society and uplift those who so desperately need our help. Thank you for tuning in.